Now we turn to Jonah. Uh, you know, Jonah was, uh, uh, gosh, he was, well, let me, let me back up a minute. Who or why was Israel brought into existence? What, what, when God entered into covenant with Abram, back in chapter 12 of Genesis, God said what? Through you and your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In other words, I picked you out. You and your descendants are going to be the ones who take the revelation about me to the world. Uh, and, uh, you know, I want you to do that. And here they are behind the circle wagons. And the book of Jonah is a challenge. If we're down here circle, uh, in, inside this circle, we won't go out, we won't let anybody else in. Can we do what it is God called us to do? No, we can't do it. And so the story of Jonah was... Uh, written, again, in the post-exilic period, to, um, to say, look, uh, we've got a job to do, and as daunting as it may seem, we can get it done, because God will help us get it done. So, here's Jonah. Everybody with me? Obadiah, Jonah, if you're interested where it is. It's in the Old Testament. <laughs> the Word of Yahweh. <clears throat> came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Rise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry up against it. Now, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Not Syria, Assyria. And the Assyrians were, in that time and place, considered to be one of the most ruthless, vicious, meanest, orneriest nations that had ever come down the pike. And they really were. Uh, we have, uh, they have excavated uh, some of the walls of Nineveh with all kinds of uh, paintings or carvings uh, on the wall showing how you can torture people. Uh, and uh, the, the documents, there are documents that, uh, that when you translate them, uh, they uh, will tell you exactly how to uh, inflict more pain and suffering on your enemies that you have captured. They were not nice people. Not at all. So, Jonah's being sent to probably the most ruthless place in the entire world. A place that needed to hear about Yahweh, God of Israel. So God says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, because their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Now, where is Tarshish? It's in Spain. Which direction is Nineveh? Northeast. Which direction is Spain? Due west. He's running away from God's call. Uh, and the point is, 
aren't we by circling the wagons maybe too um, too tightly running away from God's call because we can't do what God has commissioned us to do if we're just hunkered down behind the wagons so uh, Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish uh, he went to Joppa found a ship paid the fare went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of Yahweh. Now it's interesting because providence in these Haggadic stories usually plays a major part. It was providential that Ruth came <coughs> to the field where Bo which Boaz owned. In the book of Jonah, everything that happens, Yahweh causes it to happen. Uh, Yahweh hurled a great wind upon the sea. And uh, it's interesting. Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. Now you think about that for a moment. And there was a rick of the old boats that they had back then. You got a great storm going on. And, and it looked like the boat was going to sink, etc., etc., by being buffeted around. And he's asleep. <laughs> That's a, that's a little hyperbole, isn't it? That's a characteristic of wisdom, hyperbole. Making points by exaggeration. Which, of course, Jesus was a master at, too. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. If your foot offends you, cut it off. Now, I don't see anybody here who's taking that literally. And, well, you shouldn't. Because it wasn't intended. It wanted to get across what? A point. Uh, and you have to know when and how to, uh, to make the comparison with the point uh, and what's going on in your life. So, um, they, uh, interesting, uh, Jonah tells them why, he, why, what, why all this is happening. So God's mad at me and so on and so forth. Now you just throw me into the sea and everything will be all right. You save your life. And, and it's interesting. The text says they rode hard to bring the ship back to land. A bunch of pagan sailors trying to save Jonah's solar eye. Uh, that's a sort of an interesting little twist. Pagan sailors trying to save Jonah when Jonah's trying, supposedly trying to save them. So, but it didn't work. So they threw him into the sea. And uh, the sea ceased from its raging. And then the men feared Yahweh exceedingly offered a sacrifice to Yahweh and they vowed. Interesting. Jonah was successful even when he didn't try to be <laughs> with regard to, to uh, getting people to come over to the religion of Yahweh. Well, and then we have the, uh, the Yahweh appointed a great fish. Now, it does not say a whale. Uh, you know, there are people who always talk about Jonah and a whale. This was a great fish, if you want to take it literally, uh, that was specially prepared by God to swallow up Jonah. Now, you know, there ain't been but one like it before or since. If you want to go to live on that. But most commentators today believe this is a 
kind of symbolic way of saying what? Jonah's episode with the great fish is the same as the exile that Israel had to, uh, that Judah had to uh, endure at the hands of the Babylonians. And so they were swallowed up for a while. Why? Because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. As Jonah didn't do what he was supposed to do. And so then uh, Yahweh spoke to the fish, chapter 2, verse 10, and it vomited Jonah out on the dry land. The fish couldn't stomach Jonah for long. <laughs> then the word of Yahweh came to Jonah the second time, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. Proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of Yahweh. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Meaning, if you drew a you know, the circle around and went through the circumference, it would take you three days to walk the, the uh, diameter across that uh, circle. Uh, that's a little bit of hyperbole because they have excavated most of Nineveh. Uh, how long would it take you to walk through Nineveh? 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> you see hyperbole? This is, this, is, this is good stuff. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breath. Jonah began to go into the city a day's journey, crying out, Forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed the past, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. You've got to be kidding. <laughs> this horrible nation repented? Well, you've got to give them a chance. If you don't go preach to them, how are they going to ever repent? If you preach to them, at least some of them will repent. Uh, and so that's, that's the message of the story. Uh, now, <clears throat> verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they repented from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the evil which God had said he would do to them and did it not. Now, if you went to New York, San Francisco, Atlanta, Chicago, and preached the gospel of Jesus and everybody repented, how would you feel? I believe you would feel pretty good, wouldn't you? Is Jonah happy? He's preached, supposedly, to the most wicked nation in the entire earth they have accepted his message, they've repented, and he's not happy. He is not happy. Typical human being. <laughs> Aren't we all that way sometimes? Jealous <coughs> because we think they deserve to get what was coming to them. Well, so it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to Yahweh and said, I pray you, Yahweh, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. I knew you were a gracious God. I knew you were merciful. I knew you were slow to anger. 
I knew you abounded in covenant loyalty. I knew you would change your mind about doing evil with somebody. It wasn't because I was afraid they wouldn't listen to me. It wasn't because I was afraid they would probably skin me alive and tack my skin up on the wall of the city. The, 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 the people of Nineveh, the Assyrians, were good at that. Let people die, you know, with no nothing to protect the ends of your nerves. I, they were they were horrible people. It wasn't because I was afraid of them. It was because I knew you would forgive them. In other words, I didn't want them to be forgiven. I wanted them to get what was coming to them. I wanted you to do all kinds of evil to them. Because look at all the evil they've done. Well, I am. Take my life away from me because it's better for me to die than to live. And Yahweh said, well, are you justifiably angry? And Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east. He made a booth for himself. Sat in it under the shade till he would see what would become of the city. He's still hoping Yahweh's going to give him. And Yahweh God appointed a plan. Notice Yahweh has appointed everything just about in this story and made it come up over Jonah to be a shade over his head, to, get, to save him from discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plan. Ah. Ah. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm. Sounds like God is a district superintendent. <laughs> <laughs> uh. There's a Presbyterian, I can say that. <laughs> Without fear of uh, repercussions. Uh, God appointed a worm which attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a sultry east wind. The sun beat upon the head of Jonah so he was faint. And he asked that he might die. And he said, it's better for me to die than to live. And God said, Dude, are you justifiably angry over that plant. I am angry enough to die. And Yahweh said, you pity the plant. Uh, you didn't labor for it. You didn't make it grow. It came into being in the night and perished in the night. Now, should I not pity them, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left? In other words, they need to be told. They need to have the word preached to them. And also much cattle. In other words, God even cares about the cattle of men as well as the people of men. And Job, uh, pardon me, Jonah is angry. Oh my. What a man. But, you see how it fits in to this whole business of we got to circle the wagons. We can't let anybody in. We can't go out. Well, if we can't go out, we can't do what it is God called us to do to begin with as a people. <coughs> Maybe you know we've been doing too much of that lately here. 
Oh, we have, uh, what's the word? Uh, we, well, let's, let's just say we, we probably haven't done our duty with regard to uh, proclaiming the word, sticking to the word, and basically living the word. Because, you know, as uh, the New Testament basically says, as well as the Hebrew scripture, namely, that the best evangelical tool that the people of God have is what? The way they live their lives. The way they conduct themselves. <coughs> the way they uh, show in various and sudden. We can't all witness in the same way. We're not all the same kind of people. Uh, one size doesn't always fit all. But if we live in accordance with the way we're supposed to live, that's the best evangelical tool we've got. And we ain't done a very good job of that, have we? We compromise at every point. Well, yeah, we know that's wrong, but it's okay. Because society says it's okay. Uh, oh, boy. We're in trouble. We really are in trouble in this culture today. 